Let us pray. Eternal God, whose word silences the shouts of the mighty, quiet within us every voice but your own. Speak to us through the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we may receive grace to show Christ's love in lives given to your service. Amen. Our text for today comes from Luke chapter 19, beginning to read at verse 29. I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. Together, let us listen for the word of God. As Jesus came to Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, go into the village over there. When you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he had said. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. As Jesus came to the city and observed it, he wept over it. He said, if only you knew on this of all days the things that lead to peace. Now they're hidden from your eyes. The time will come when your enemies will build fortifications around you, encircle you, and attack you from all sides. They will crush you completely, you and the people within you. They won't leave one stone on top of another within you because you did not recognize the time of your gracious visit from God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You are invited to pause for a moment of silent prayer and reflection on the text. Amen. Almost there. Jesus, the twelve, and the ever-growing crowd of disciples have almost made it to Jerusalem, where at least Jesus has been headed all along. 
Jesus, as you may recall, set his face for Jerusalem outside an unwelcoming Samaritan town a few chapters ago. He knows that he is making his way toward a confrontation with all the powers that are threatened by his very existence, let alone his message and ministry. And yet he never swerves from his destination. In fact, along the way, he insists on calling others in, inviting the unnoticed, the unwelcome, and the unsavory to join him in the new kingdom unfolding in their midst. Today is, of course, Palm Sunday, one of those big days on the Christian calendar. This is our second Palm Sunday in the midst of a pandemic. Last year, we shifted gears fairly rapidly, finding ways to wave palms from our backyards and front porches. This year, things are still different from the celebrations we've come to know and love. Some of us, blessedly, are gathered here in the sanctuary while others worship from home, so it is still a more muted celebration, which ironically fits with Luke's account in a way. As you may have noticed, Luke has no mention of palms. There are no shouts of Hosanna. The text tells us that there is a throng of disciples or a multitude in some translations, those who have been gathering around Jesus called in along the way, but there is no huge crowd coming out from Jerusalem to greet him. The disciples dance and sing praises to God, celebrating what they have seen and experienced on the journey. And two of them are sent to get a colt, which is a young donkey, Bible study friends. It is a young donkey after all. It is a bit stunning that the colt's owners let it go so easily, but even that exchange takes place in a quiet way. Some of the disciples then drape their own clothes on the colt and lift Jesus up and seat him on top. Then some of these gathered-in ones throw their cloaks or their clothes. If it's their cloak, it's likely the only one they own. They throw it on the ground so that their king and that king's not-so-mighty steed need not tread on a dusty road. So this feels more like a makeshift, modest, homegrown event than a grand, victorious parade. And it scares the Pharisees to death. As you may know, this moment in the Jesus story takes place right before Passover when thousands of pilgrims would make their way to Jerusalem to celebrate God's liberating the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt. The numbers that will gather and the story being remembered and celebrated rattle the Roman Empire a bit, even if they don't like to admit it. So they step up their presence in Jerusalem each year at this time. They want to make sure the people don't get any big ideas about resistance or rebellion. So they up the number of soldiers and war horses as a show of might as well as a warning. So why would the Pharisees be nervous? What damage can a throng of country bumpkins and a scruffy rabbi on a little donkey really do? 
The Pharisees know the Exodus story, of course. They also know the Roman Empire. And they've come to know Jesus. And they seem to have a sense of just how combustible the mix could be. You see, Rome allows the Jewish community a little bit of leeway. Little celebrations of long ago and far away events are tolerated within reason, but the slightest disruption is not allowed. The throng of disciples celebrates the arrival of the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They sing about peace, shalom, the very peace that was promised on that starry night a few decades before. The Pharisees know that the peace celebrated here in no way resembles the peace offered by the empire. The empire's peace, Pax Romana, demands that everyone stick to the script and stay in their assigned seats. No rocking the boat, no questioning those in power, no revolutions of any kind are allowed. Even the smallest, most homegrown and humble uprisings are to be stifled and stopped. The Pharisees understand that this ragtag procession will draw the attention of the empire and that such attention is not a good thing. Teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. Now, some insist that the Pharisees are genuinely concerned for Jesus' safety. Others argue that they simply want to save their own skin since They and other religious leaders occupy a place of comfort and privilege within the imperial structure. I wonder if it could be a mix of both. We never really find out, though. This is the last we will hear from the Pharisees in Luke's gospel. They will remain safely tucked away in the rest of the story, just off stage, too cautious or too jaded to finish the journey with Jesus Too blinded, perhaps, by the power of the empire to witness firsthand what, in fact, makes for true peace, authentic shalom. Over the past years, as past year, as you are well aware, we have been asked to give up the big celebrations. Graduations, weddings, and birthdays have happened on a much smaller scale for the safety of loved ones and strangers alike. With the grandeur subdued, as hard as that has been, with it being subdued, however, we have had a chance to witness smaller and perhaps more mundane acts of beauty, love, and kindness, and peace that we might have missed beforehand. As I look back at photos and memories from a year ago, I remember how frightened many of us were, how the smallest gestures of kindness broke through at least my fear. I remember finding comfort and peace seeing construction paper hearts and stuffed animals and candles in my neighbor's windows, hearing stories of selflessness such as neighbors and strangers getting groceries for elderly neighbors making masks, sending surprise deliveries of ice cream, becoming pen pals with residents of nursing homes, and lifting up frontline workers of every sort in constant prayer. There were stories like that of Ezra and beloved Shapiro, 
Just an aside, don't you love that her name is Beloved? Ezra and Beloved Shapiro, who have been married for 67 years. Ezra learned how to do Beloved's hair and paint her nails so that she would feel cared for, lovely and beloved, even when locked away from the world. The grandchild posted a picture and wrote, the picture reflects all their love as he dyes her hair, smears her nail polish. Little things, small acts like this one disrupted the seemingly never-ending days when we did not know how long we would need to stay apart for our safety and that of our neighbors. It was not grand, loud, or showy deeds that transformed our existence, but rather these small, stubbornly loving, revolutionary acts which made our days bearable and helped us survive what seemed unsurvivable at times. So I think the Pharisees are onto something, bless their hearts. I think they actually understand how little revolutions can upend the most formidable of foes. They demand that Jesus silence those who are lifting their voices in praise for all that they see unfolding in Jesus. And Jesus responds, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. As we mentioned on Wednesday, Jesus's words remind me of a fountain where one stream, when pressed down, causes the water to erupt from another. The coming revolution cannot be contained. No matter how off the empire's radar it may be, no matter how modest the stirrings of this coming kingdom are, the little revolutions will not and cannot be stopped. Because the kingdom is coming, no matter what. Nor do these stirrings need to pretend to be anything other than what they are to bring about transformation. Because as you recall, this kingdom begins with one tiny child born in a borrowed room. It grows with his calling in Samaritans and tax collectors, grumblers and underperforming fig trees. It continues today with a makeshift parade led by a scruffy rabbi on a borrowed donkey. Small revolutions, tiny, humble acts are more than enough to usher in the Lord of all. Because you see, this Lord is unlike any other. Just as he is poised to enter Jerusalem, Jesus pauses. He does not raise his fist or shout a rallying war cry. He weeps. This one who is celebrated as a king by overlooked peasants sits on a young donkey and caps off the ragtag parade by openly weeping over the city he has been headed toward all along. The city that will find him to be a threat. The city where he will meet his death on a criminal's cross. He weeps. Lamenting all that has come before and all that lies ahead. He will not be met with cheers when he arrives, but rather with suspicion. His offer of shalom, life-giving peace, will be met with violence. And in response, he will not wield a sword 
but will instead offer up his life, his one wild and precious life, as Mary Oliver says. It is one small, tender, revolutionary act on the heels of a whole host of other small, tender, revolutionary acts, and the world is never the same. Blessings on this king who comes in the name of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.